and welcome back to Theory for Turn Tables, the TFT podcast. I'm Ryan. That's Matt. Hey, Matt. Sorry, I'm not home right now. I'm walking into spider webs. So leave a message, and I'll call you back. You know, Ryan, you and me, we used to be together every day. Together. Always. I really feel that I'm losing my best friend. I can't believe this could be the end. Oh, don't speak, Matt. Don't speak. Uh, and we're because because we're not alone. We're here with TFT punk correspondent uh, Rachel D. Because once uh, Green Day has broken over to the mainstream, uh, every week is a punk correspondent <laughs> week. Apparently, uh, Rachel, welcome to the tragic kingdom. Cornfields of popcorn have yet to spring open. Huh. I'm just a girl. I guess I'm some kind of freak. Man, guys, we hit the jams. I think we hit almost <laughs> all of the jams of No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom, uh, their 1995 album. Uh, it's their third studio album, but it's their commercial breakthrough. Uh, it is uh, an iconic album cover, several iconic songs, kind of era-defining songs, uh, uh, the era being the mid-1990s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was with the hits uh, that we referenced, Spiderweb's Just a Girl, uh, Don't speak uh, as well as a lot of really um, good kind of mid-level singles and some deep album cuts Um, and so uh, I think we're going to just jump right in because I I almost want to you know I think there are a lot of questions and answers about this album Uh, this is an album that uh, and uh, and and I'm hesitating to even define the genre because I think that there are going to be a lot of questions around genre uh, on this album as well as uh, both uh, what influences it uh, and what it influenced so I'm just going to say if you've not heard Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt and I am talking about Tragic Kingdom in its entirety uh, give it a spin um, because I think you may be, if you only know the singles and you know only those three towering monoliths, you may be surprised. Uh, you may be surprised by the stylistic variation. You may be surprised by the one weird disco song that crops up. Uh, and so give the whole thing a spin. Uh, Pat, perhaps go for a run uh, because I think that this, uh, a lot of the mid-tempo numbers are uh, pretty good for runs. Uh, and then meet us back here to dive in and take a, a tour around the scenic tragic kingdom after this word from our commercial sponsors. Hey, is it Sunday morning? My, well, it will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then do you have anything to drink for Sunday morning? Gosh, I don't know if I really thought that far ahead for Sunday morning. I may not have a suitable drink for Sunday morning. Well, yeah. How about orange juice? Oh, orange juice. Yeah, orange juice. I know it sounds hashtag basic, but it's chock full of vitamin C and it's a sweet treat that anyone can enjoy. So where do I get it? (laughs) You get it in Orange County. Anaheim, California is nothing but orange groves as far as the eye can see. Wait, is it Anaheim where Disney World is? Quiet. You don't need to worry yourself about that. And you don't need to worry about yourself about the strange insects who are eating holes in all the oranges. The oranges are beautiful. It's yeah, a I'm ma- pretty sure Disneyland is there. Yeah, I've driven past it. It's yeah. a magic okay. kingdom. Anaheim Angels uh, professional baseball team also play there? It's they orange groves. As far as the eye can see, it's orange groves. Orange groves. Drink orange juice on Sunday. And we're back. So I actually uh I have the question. Um, <laughs> and it was inspired by uh some like by a Google search results. Um and it's a question that I think a lot of people are asking. According to Google, <laughs> is no doubt ska. And that's all lowercase. which i think is important to asking the question yeah that's i mean it's i i think you can do a lot of criticism by google search suggestion (laughs) (laughs) i think there's a follow-up question as well uh that's uh by by google search suggestion (laughs) what music is ska (laughs) (laughs) is ska uh, 
dead <laughs> wait 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 wait. okay okay great i mean like look let me just read down i just did is ska space at, because is skay is like is skateboard is skateboarding uh, is, is, is skateboarding a crime is yeah that like- <laughs> so you have to put a you have to put a space after ska i'm just gonna read down this list of search suggestions now is ska dead is ska a word is <laughs> is ska punk is ska reggae and is ska coming back uh the answer is uh, a qualified yes yeah it's yes to all of the above i believe um and i but i think we are here to uh to to mark the uh pre the preemptive fifth anniversary of the the great ska revival of 2022 (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because it's coming back and it's going to come back hard and it's and you're not even going to know what hit you I know. I think that's right. The way like things cannibalize themselves cyclically, like just buy buy your like track pants now, like I mean, in your Jenko. I mean, Jenko's already made it back. I mean, I'll tell you what is that like. Not only will uh, will ska come back, but like Diplo will be in a ska band before before uh, within the next ten years. I mean, he already is, isn't he? Like that's the you know I don't know. I sorry is not sorry would not need that much. No, <laughs> you know what I mean. It would be like it would be like a fingernail flick over the line to get it to get it into uh, into ska. So so I mean I don't know. Is I I think no doubt is ska. It's also other things. Yeah, but it's mm-hmm. a huge. So there's the qualification on the yes. But it's I mean it's clearly that sort of that guitar sound, that guitar offbeat sound, boom chick, boom chick, boom chick, boom chick, and some of the instrumentation, like especially horn horn yeah. breaks and things like this, like uh, horn counter melodies and stings and stuff, like. Um, yeah, I mean that that's that's just a start. I think there's something to be said about the subject matter of the songs as well, but it's it's just the the uh the musical character of it. it, it a lot of it is ska, right? Like just a girl, you know, um and st- and stuff. There there's there's some that shade a little more punky, like Spiderwebs I think is one of those with the kind of the four on the floor uh rather than like a more backbeat structure uh but then but then there are there are other ones like like the climb which is uh you know the the little finger inspired um <laughs> you know 12 like 12 8 ballad sort of like almost gospel like spiritual gospel song with these huge these huge dramatic harmonic arrivals and and uh and things like this like this was a well i i yeah, chaos is not a ladder it's a circle pit right <laughs> <laughs> oh so anyway i i i uh i have a lot more to say but i i, I want to hear uh your perspectives as well well no i i mean i definitely think the the ska is there i think what struck me listening to this album again is how much it, it actually reminds me of like blondie and sort of like some of the song structures to me, like I close my eyes and and squint, like with my ears, I guess <laughs> it, it's like it sounds like Blondie. It sounds like Elvis Costello. It does have this kind of um, I don't know, kind of like a more. I mean, I I don't know if it's like I guess new wave, but yeah, it has yeah. like it has this uh, kind of this like sensibility that I was surprised to find was like there in the song structures, mm. uh, and I and I think I I kind of failed, you know. I think the last time I listened to this album, I was in seventh grade, and I just don't think I had the sort of ear for that at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Nor had I like really liked. I I was a big uh, I was a a big not big but I was definitely like I was definitely a part of the uh, ska punk uh, wave in the sense of like I liked it a lot I went to ska shows I definitely skanked um, I'm not ashamed but uh, you know I did you I have think, the boots did you have like the like the checked pants and the boots and things like this 
I did, or I tried to acquire at least like the versions I could acquire of those things. <laughs> Cause those, that stuff's expensive, honestly. Um, like dressing <laughs> Scott, Scott is a pyramid scheme. <laughs> Scott and punk are like expensive. <laughs> Once they're like commodified like that. I remember I got, my aunt gave me like bondage pants from hot topic. And it was like a coveted piece of clothing because they were like, Real plaid pants with the little straps. They were like very well done. Yeah, and so that kind of thing is like you know that kind of thing was actually not that easy to find as a like middle schooler. Every time someone tells this story about the commodification of punk, uh, Ian MacKay cries. I'm sure, I'm sure he does. And he's like, but you could have gone to a Fugazi show. Every well, yeah, I don't know. Every every time someone buys bondage pants at Hot Topic, Vivian Westwood cries probably right like yeah she's doing okay (laughs) (laughs) she's all the way to the bank she's fine i think she could handle a few knockoffs (laughs) i I think this is interesting though about because like i hear the um the new wave a lot as well right because as much as the um the ska rhythm guitar and the horn sections are kind of an anomaly juxtaposed with you know the guitar rock of the um first half of the 90s in some ways the the synthesizer and the mm-hmm. kind of um the the kind of synthesizer tones the keyboard tones that are here on a lot of these songs um and like are there on uh on like spiderwebs for example uh, are are even kind of a bigger break with the first half of the 90s and uh, kind of have this uh piece of continuity with uh with the 80s and i think that it's interesting because that um, that synthesis between ska and new wave had already happened um, a lot in the uh, with British bands in the early '80s. Right? I mean, I think about bands, especially like the English Beat, um, whose big hit um, was it "Save It for Later." Right? Uh, yeah. Is I mean, basically almost abandons the ska ishness, right? And it yeah. is kind of you know scans as a new wavy song. Um, no, and, it, and madness is another good example. I, right? I think that's right. Yeah, madness had like I would say like what people describe. You know, like you think of the eighties hits that play on right. on like you know TV late at night. They'd be in like on a compilation, right? right? For our house, for right? our house. Um, yeah, and I, I guess I think I think that's a good point to to note that it's like the keyboards are sort of that like continuity. That's what makes it kind of eighties ish, and I think that is what ties it to actually those British two tone ska bands. Um, is that kind of like that that synth driven ska sound? Um, I do think it, it, I think it shows on this album, like that no doubt really liked those bands and listened to them a lot. Um, in, in just kind of like the, the overall general sound and vibe, I think particularly on like the, the closer tragic kingdom, like, uh, that could be definitely like something that like the specials put out like in the eighties. It just, it, it has like the the kind of like messy weird like sound of like one of those bands um and I, so i do think it's a good point you make that the keys are really kind of like that like kind of like what makes it distinctive from even i would say the other scott punk bands that followed or were sort of contemporary with no doubt um and, and like i think ties it more to that 80s strain of of ska Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, because this is, you know, in terms of the the chronology and kind of looking forward a little bit, right? This is a, a late '95 um, album, and is about a about two years out uh, from um, the Mighty Mighty Boston's breakout hit, um, the um, Let's Face It, uh, and the single The Impression That I Get, right? Which was a ni- it was '97, so we're 20 years out from that. Wait, uh, uh, sorry, I think that the title of that song is "I Never Had to Knock on Wood." Hey man, I live in Boston. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as an aside, we'll talk about this. I think even when we uh, discuss the Boston's, listening back to those songs, it's like amazing how many of those songs are about like road rage and related phenomenon, which is like <laughs> captures like the like the lived experience of Boston. It's just like like anger, rage, and incipient violence, uh, b- but also horns. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that. That there is this, I think the popularity of this interestingly, like introduced the idea of ska, but not a, I mean, like not a lot of the music of ska. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, 
I, I think it's it's interesting because the first two No Doubt albums are definitely a lot Ska-ier. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also, I mean, Ska, uh, Ska contains multitudes um, because even the, the type of Ska that uh, No Doubt was on their first two albums was I expected to hear a punkier ska, and it's actually much more of a funkier ska mm-hmm. um, on on the first two uh, albums, especially their the kind of single from their first album, uh, Trapped in a Box, uh, and a lot of the rest of that album sounds very much like the funkiest of the ska, which is a band called Fishbone, right? Which yeah. to me is kind of the exemplar of funky ska, so slower rhythms, kind of uh, a hybrid with something oh, sort of parliament adjacent. Um, and so it's it's interesting that, though, I think because for some of the reasons that we were talking about of the adjacency with British New Wave and with, with kind of post-punk, like, I think as Scott got rooted down in the U.S. and I think especially in especially in California and on the West Coast, it fused with punk. And I think as other parts of um, of punk of noise rock started to get, I'm I imagining kind of like a lottery, like a, a lottery ball uh, popper, right? And and so it's the great like alt right lottery, right? And so that like you know first uh, uh, a lot of the kind of uh, grungier kind of noise rockier bands in a um, you know dinosaur junior mold uh, pixies mold start getting popped up into the the pop popper um, and and then uh, and then uh, following Green Day a lot of kind of much more poppy punk bands getting popped up and and so what counts as punk or what counts as underground um, is and what it remains in the underground changes in composition so it seems like there's like a time where uh, once kind of the um, grunge and and popular bands are getting sloughed off and popped up into the mainstream. There's then a number of these like like there's a period in and it's it's moving pretty quickly, but in that 94 95 period where ska is still punky, right? It is more punky than punk. Um, and then I definitely I definitely remember at the time getting mixtapes, you know, yeah. from from friends. Uh, female friends actually, remarkably, like like a lot of uh, were my main vectors into Scott and getting mixtapes with different bands that were not that never had the mainstream commercial success. Names I probably can't even remember. Oh um, yeah, like like Mustard Plug and Mu Three Thirty and Skankin Pickle and Bucko Nine. Yeah, a couple <laughs> of those do sound familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's interesting. You say that like it's your female friends who um. Who recommended that? I wonder if there's something there. I will say, like, you know, as as like a young woman, it was like the like the one kind of show I could sort of convince my parents like would be like a, like a reasonable show to attend, right? Well, it was. Like, pe- I mean, it was. It sort of was peppy, right? Like, I, I yeah, I, yeah. I mean, sorry, I, I don't want to steamroll your observation, but I but uh, I think you're right. But it's not just peppy. It's not just that. I think it's also it's like. I don't know. It's like inherently like safer and like easier to enter as a space. You know what I mean? Like the worst is going to happen is someone like kind like kind of dances in your space a little too much. <laughs> but it's like communal dancing that like did not like rely on like pushing each other. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're 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 blissed out skipping might like you know you might you might sort of uh, bounce off someone else like uh you know like foam rubber walls or something like that. You know. I mean, right? It's neither grinding nor moshing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which are the two poles of uh, of of parentally threatening dancing of the night. 90s, right? right yeah. yeah exactly like moshing moshing a like a uh, hyperkinetic movement and grinding frankly moving towards uh ultimate stillness you know <laughs> right. smaller smaller and smaller and more deliberate movements as the night wears on well i mean and and both were very like you know in some ways the um both grinding and moshing were much more on display on mtv right uh there i mean right there was a entire show devoted to the <laughs> performance of the act the grind um, <laughs> yeah uh, yeah Sorry, i like i like the observation that. on the grind oh i do i like i like that it's it it is like an abstract noun it's like yeah. a uh you know it's like, sort of like the work we're very devoted to the work here we're very de- <laughs> <laughs> We're very devoted to the grind. <laughs> you know? 
I also imagine if you like had to be a regular dancer on that show, it would definitely like obtain the other meaning of like like becoming this dull thing that like wears you down over time. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, I so like I'm I'm struck talking about um I'm struck talking about uh. New Wave, because like the story we told with New Wave a lot on this podcast was New Wave that kind of shaded into a more industrial sound, Hmm. maybe that rather than, you know what I mean, rather than kind of a synth pop. Uh, yeah. Yeah. headed sound. That's because it's just like when you curate, you end up te- you end up telling a story, and that's the, that's the one that we've told. Um, I'm uh, uh, but but the th- and and the sort of the ska story is is a little more energetic, right? Yeah. It's a little less art schooly, uh, though. I don't know. Maybe it's just a different art school aesthetic because there was definitely you know there was definitely a lot of sort of pose and a lot of sort of aesthetic curation that went into uh, that went into happening. It's it's less depressive, I guess. I'm, I mean to say it, it, it's it's it is it's weirdly a and if you remember like. The earliest, earliest touches of new wave were what, like what Rachel was saying of um, of Blondie, right? Like Parallel Lines is like late seventies, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people lump it eighties, but that's late late seventies, right? Am yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think that's right. And um, same with like talking, like the earliest Talking Heads, um, and I think that like it takes the, the new wave takes and the kind of post new wave. Um, and and uh, the kind of synth work takes that darker turn um, like a few years later once you're in the 80s proper. Um, and even those kind of bands maybe take that turn a little more as well. Um, but so it's interesting that this is like hitting this almost kind of pre post punk kind yeah. of like when new new wave was new um, and, and has that kind of earliest, you know, some of the kind of bounciest Blondie songs and kind of the the most kind of. Uh, a bullion kind of early kind of pre Afro pop um, aping talking head stuff. Um, I guess some of the Afro pop stuff is, is, is kind of uh, Scott adjacent to at least in engages with world music. Um, But yeah, I I do think that weirdly, like, I guess part of what this is, uh, as another way of saying this is that, you know, these kinds of I, I think both poles of synth pop keep coming back, um, but there is a a through line. I mean, I think we joked about this earlier, but I do think that there is is a through line, you know, um, uh, that goes from no doubt up through Diplo and Major Laser, no, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and um, and it's it's hard to kind of imagine that, and and weirdly, um, and and up into some of the other kind of up tempo or synth pop that we we get that you end up getting in uh the various waves of 80s revival and kind of new wavy revival that you get through the early 2000s and again now right um and so i think that that sound and like you say matt like this the peppiness of the sound and whether that has to do with the keyboards um or the um or the horns uh, is uh, is uh, you know that it's it's part of that sound, and I think the other key piece of this is uh, Gwen Stefani's vocal performance and kind of presentation as the um, as the as the front person of this band, right? And I, I think that like I think that there's a lot there, um, and I don't know if, if uh, I mean just watching the videos or looking at the images, uh, how kind of dominant of a figure she is. Um, both kind of visually um, and as a vocal presence throughout this album to kind of set the tone for what kind of a band and what kind of an album this is. Well, the thing, I mean, the thing that, that struck me, the, the thing that kind of led me to, to make the observation was that, like, I think there's a profounder, despite the kind of the, the superficial differences that, that we've kind of felt out, like, I think there is a profounder link um, beyond the, the links that we've already talked about, uh, which is that both, both the kind of depressed uh you know the the depressive later uh, new wave music uh the kind of post punk trajectory and the peppy you know perhaps new new wave uh or like 90s ska was uh, share a, a a certain sense of theatricality right mm-hmm. and that like mm-hmm. that theatricality is the thing that i think is is very important that i sort of that i notice when i listen yeah. to it and by that i mean like an an embrace of 
uh, a sort of embrace of artifice as a way of truth telling and an embrace of what what you might call like programmatic uh, musical uh, musical moves by which I mean, like, I mean like Peter and the wolf, right? Like the piccolo represents the bird and the bassoon represents the thing. And like, you know, there's legit circus music on this album, you know, where it's just like, all of a sudden we're, we're in like, you know, and the, and like, uh, and it's great. Like it's, it's, it's dramatic, right? It's it comes at the right the right time. It tells uh it tells a story and it kind of uses that artifice. It uses that sort of representation and uses um a sense of almost like uh, almost metaphor, almost figurative figurative musical language to uh to kind of take you on to take you on the journey mm. rather rather than the source of it being um you know mm. individual emo- an individual person's emotion or like one particular point of view or one aesthetic one kind of governing aesthetic that that you know that sort of casts a uh uh sheen on the whole thing um let's uh you know you yeah. know what i mean it's 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 sort Absolutely. of like yeah well, I was just going to say that there's also part of that. The theatricality uh, is for me why these I, these are uh, especially the three big singles, Spiderwebs, Just a Girl and, um, and and Don't Speak are all I think I've seen all of them done at various karaoke nights within the last year. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of are perennial karaoke favorites uh, because uh, because of the theatricality and the lyrics and in kind of the original performance that then it's it's it. it they're almost custom built for karaoke. Right? Yeah. You know, you know who doesn't get sung a lot at karaoke? Waxahachie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nothing, nothing, nothing against Waxahachie. I actually like Waxahachie, but like that's, you know, this sort of, uh, uh yeah, I've come around. I've come yeah, around. But, it, it, but it's, it's so interesting to think about this uh, because like, cause like stretching back to last week, you know, who also does get sung a lot at karaoke? Alanis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's, I mean, she had a self drive. Hers was more a self dramatizing sort of thing, right? Like right. it's, it's a question of like whether you're, you're willing to, to ratchet up the intensity and to kind of really commit to the bit, right? Like really, yeah. you know, yeah. really commit to the premise at a very high level of energy. And, yeah. and Alanis is as well. And also that album, is sort of stylistically heterogeneous you know it's not like one it's not like one sound you know and this is like i think this is probably you know the 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 influence of her her producing partner i mean this like no doubt also is is uh seems like a band that's that's built around a sort of dyad that's built around the the axis of gwen stefani and tony canal right that that who were at one point romantic partners um I guess not. I guess that had ended by the time this record was recorded. But there's something, you know, I don't know. There's something in that. Uh, there's something in that relationship and maybe even like a kind of a mutual enabling or a kind of egging on, you know, that like allows uh, that allows these sort of flights, these flights to happen at a, uh, a, a more um, sublime Right level than uh, than something that's that's maybe a little more understated or a little more low key or a little more frankly personal, right? Uh, in the sense of being kind of generated, uh, generated, uh, you know, I don't know, it, out of an out of an individual experience. So it's so it's I don't know that 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 was the thing that that uh, that stuck with me. It also like this was uh, for very different reasons than than, uh, than Fugazi. This was a record that like I felt like it took. It it took a lot out of me, right? Because it was I, I enjoyed it, um, but it also like it required a great deal of energy. You had to meet its energy with a great deal of energy, and I, you know, whether you're dancing or not, you know, whether you're dancing or just like doing light housework, you know, you have to meet its energy with a great deal of energy. And I find that I, I, I just found that like the the emotional intensity w- was very often ratcheted up very high. Like the the kind of the musical energy was at a very high level, and that that like at a certain point it was like. Okay. All right. We need a we need a break from that, you know. Um and and uh and I guess I guess a lot of punk is is like that or there a lot of things with punk in their lineage um are yeah, like that. Yeah, it's 
I mean, it's interesting. I think that's why I, I like enjoy listening to albums like that because I, I actually feel like I don't need to like they bring the energy and I, yeah. I like don't have to meet the energy of the out al- like the album just energizes me. <laughs> I mean, we've definitely established that you have a hashtag no chill music. policy. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of do. Yeah, I like I don't really I can't really suffer chill music. Uh, wow, you it just doesn't really suit me for the most part. Right, I, so- I find. So, like so too we, chill we won't be or, getting drinks at the w <laughs> yeah no exactly like you know i mean i think like the chillest i get is like the jazz samples of like hip-hop songs right <laughs> it's like it's like <laughs> i mean know, i will like, say sounds like w lobby music is a- absolutely an active diss uh, <laughs> in, in this household when i like put something on like like uh an album like uh like often like a, an electronic uh album or kind of instrumental album uh and be like what is this this sounds like hotel lobby music <laughs> yeah, D- dave uh dave um who uh, you know former guest host we did the uh the amy mann album together was sitting in our office here while i was playing no doubt on the speakers we've got we've gone actually by the way this is a little tft this is in the spirit of tft our office uh is outside a construction uh site what's now a construction site um right outside our window downstairs is a restaurant that plays top 40 all day and on either side our neighbors make very loud phone calls so we've gone full alienate and confound mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. our with our music selections we actually played fugazi on vinyl just really loud i think we might have we might have actually just left the office and locked it with that record still <laughs> still going but we were we were listening to uh to no doubt really loud uh in the office today and <laughs> dave started making fun of it uh as it goes because he's you know i mean he was on he was a guest host for amy mann for a reason right like he he's into that sort of understated roots music kind of folky uh or even bluegrassy um kind of direction you know like uh shows i go to with dave or like dawes or wilco or things like that and um you know the shows the shows that uh that i go to with ryan and rachel are the mountain goats <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i i like i i i mean that is definitely like my preference is like for I, I do think the theatricality you mentioned is like there i i like the energy i like the theatricality um and it's it's i i do and i think it's interesting it, i like i really want to talk about like the theatricality in particular because i do think that like you, you were t- tying into the other new wave music and i, I really do think like it, it, it's still like going back to this again. Like it, it really does remind me of the '80s two-tone ska bands, who also I think had a similar theatricality. Wasn't there a review that you had read also that the dist uh, that the title track "Tragic Kingdom" as like sounding like Andrew Lloyd Webber in the '80s? But that's exactly what it sounds like, and that's cool, <laughs> and that's okay. It's the skanking phantom of the opera. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is the skanking phantom of the opera. I'm okay with that. Ska like, cats. <laughs> I'm okay with that. You know, I really am. Um, and I I do think. Yeah, I do think that the theatricality is there. And I, I think, I mean, it really does have to do a lot, too, of her vocal performance, which is, like, a lot. I mean, I'll, like, I'll say it's, like, a lot. It's, it's like, pretty extra, right? <laughs> if, if anything's going to be called extra, it's definitely how she sings. What is it, like, what, what are, are there kind of certain, like, ticks or, or uh, like, stylistic moves that, like, jump out as being extra, extra? I think it's as if, like, she, like, it, it, you know, I think it's, like, the, you know, when Matt said committing to the bit, it's, like, the bit is being Betty Boop for, like, an entire album. <laughs> You know, it's like, what if Betty Boop sang, but like also like to hang out in like malls? Yeah, it's that it's that it's that weird at the end of She's So Unusual. It's that weird, like Cindy Lauper, boop, 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 boop kind of kind of thing. Well, I mean, that's 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 interesting. Like Gwen Stefani on the cover of this album and her slightly retro ish looking uh you know uh, outfit right yeah. and um i don't know th- th- so this i think of this though i it's i guess it's like vinyl so it's a little it's a cross between like you know 50s vinyl americana and um 
uh, I don't know, a, a more underground or, or provocative sensibility. But the, the, like the idea, um, I don't know. Uh, so, so here's what I want to say. The, the, what, what is the, how f- far a distance is it between the mighty, mighty Boston's and the big bad voodoo daddies? You know, mm. that like, because I, I think of Scott as belonging to, I was never yeah. quite, it, it was never really my thing. I never hooked into it, but I, I, you know, I was aware of it and enjoyed it, uh, and got sort of introduced to it through my friends. And the other thing that I was aware of and kind of enjoyed from afar and got introduced to through my friends around the same time was the, like the, the Lindy hop, like West coast swing revival, you know, yep. and, uh, and like big bad voodoo daddies and, and, you know, bands like that. And like Ch- cherry pop. And daddies, all the daddy really. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the, yeah, and the the mommies were ska, and the daddies were were swing, and and you know they they danced together, and something something grinding, you know, and and uh, we were all born, and and like the the. Um, the swing thing, I mean, being kind of World War II focused was ha- had this, you know, 50s Americana, nostalgic, right, uh, uh, sort of great American economic expansion, like pre-Mad Men uh, mm-hmm. sort of. Uh, 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 sort of vibe in this this kind of nostalgic retro stylings, you know, on uh, of of the fashions and 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 stuff like that. And it's, uh, I mean, looking looking at at the um, cover of this album. I mean, there's one guy in shorts, but the the rest of them, it's not far off, you know. And though though the 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 signifiers of the signifiers of Americana, like the oranges or the um, the field uh, or the tree, right? Though they're sort of barren and and rotten, that's still even though they're rotten, it's still referenced to you know, even though they're blue velveting the the like suburban paradise a little bit, they're still engaging the idea of the of the suburban paradise. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just coincidence. Do you, do you think? Am I crazy to think there might be more than a a just happenstance no. connection between no. the the swing and the sky? No, I I don't think. I think. I mean, here here are kind of like some of the some of the associations I have between the two. I do think, on the one hand, I think the two of them kind of coming back in style when they do and having these like revivals. I guess is I do think they are related, um, and I do think the thread of Americana you're mentioning I think has always been a part of like punk subculture. Right. Like in, you know, a lot of the, like, you know, the idea of like teddies and greasers, like there are all these like different little like sub sub subcultures of like even like the like the first waves of like punk that are all about like, you know, this kind of like James Dean on holiday look. You know what I mean? And and, and but like kind of like through a British lens um, and like I guess like the British version of that. But I, I so I do think there is this kind of throughout the like the history of punk subculture there's going to be always this like nod back to that kind of like a greaser look. Right. And like the touchstones of like a greaser look. Yeah. And I think, I think that does kind of get like also swept up in kind of like the touchstones of, of like a, you know, kind of like a 1940s and like through like a post-war type, uh, you know, aesthetic and like signify, like pulling signifiers from that time. Um, but I also think it's like you, you you mentioned sort of like what is like the kind of line between things like ba- the Boston's and Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. And it makes me think of, you know, kind of in, in listening to this album, we we happen to listen to this like Spotify playlist of like, you know, titles something like Scott, like, like this essential, is essential, essential Scott. What it was was like some weird mash of like every Scott song that ever got released in like the last, uh, I don't know, like. 30 years. And I think we're like, it was heavily weighed towards like the last 20. 20, Yes. And so by being weighed towards the last 20, you get a lot of this like ska punk. And this is like, I don't think like just like, this is where things get kind of muddled to me because like, I think sometimes like something, like uh, something gets horns added on and it suddenly becomes ska. Yeah. Right. Because it has like, like a flourish of kind of ska horns, but like otherwise like the beat, 
the structure, everything else about it is like doesn't have it doesn't have that like that whatever like that sing like that fast ska beat. It's like a punk song in every other name. And so I think there are there is this kind of I don't know. I think like when we talk about ska, we do have to make these distinctions between like you do have to sort of start talking about the waves of ska. Like, are you talking about like the stuff that sounds a lot more like reggae? Are you talking about this? And and that has, I think, more to do with like almost like a, like a jazz set, like kind of like a big band jazz sound. Are you talking about things that like sound like ska punk? And even something like the Boston's, I would say, is like it's like. It's like as if hardcore added some ska horns, which is like a whole other different conversation. The, the Boston's are this just like they, they're they're kind of a a thing unto themselves. Yeah, um. I would say they're a thing unto themselves, and so I do think there is. I like I like I, the Bosque tones, like the grind or the work. You know, we're, we're <laughs> here on this podcast. We're very devoted to the Bosque tones. <laughs> I, you know, for a second, I heard you as the Bosque tones, which is like the all, like the like the, the all Catalan, uh, yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the spa, like the 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 sub kind of uh, nationalist uh, band of like the the marginalized identities of Spain, right? <laughs> um, uh, well, I, I just I kind of I think another kind of piece of this, and we can maybe pivot back to the to the album, some of the songs, but I also think there's a case a little bit of convergent. Um, evolution here in that be, because it's like the I think these things happened around the same time and I think some of it is coincidence um, because they're they're apparently all right so here's here's my materialist explanation is that there was a glut of suits and horns in the late 90s <laughs> um, and so that you had of this oversupply uh, <laughs> of, of both suits and horns uh, you could then both draw like the two things with suits and horns uh, were so um, the the 80s ska right in in uh, the UK that the band, the specials uh, that Rachel was talking about, and I think Madness also came out of, was called Two Tone, right? Because all of, I mean, like one part of the outfit of this era of ska were these black, uh, black suits, black ties, white shirts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you had kind of the suits and horns there, um, and then you also have the suits and horns in the um, in the swing revival that happens. Um, uh, uh, a little like a, a little bit later and again these were both happening um in the underground and ska bubbled up i believe a little sooner right and so it was pretty quick i mean i was saying this earlier after no doubt um there were kind of reasonable ska hits i think i think uh goldfingers uh here in your bedroom was the following year 1996 and then you had real big fish and um the boston's in 97 and then i believe the big um, swing boom was around 98 was the following year and i think the missing link in all of this uh, actually is um is the cherry poppin daddies of zoot suit riot fame uh, who actually um they they were both right they are they are the ska swing missing link uh because they were a ska they started as a ska ska band uh and then saw oh, wow. and, and basically saw where the uh where where the, where the horn blowing. was blowing <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> uh and they're like hey um they just like grabbed a hat you, you just add a add the right kind of hat or maybe a jaunty feather to it um and uh your ska suit becomes a zoot suit and you're and you're riding that other trend right and so and i remember having this um it was actually a compilation album um that was called something like the swinging hits yes it was called zoot suit riot colon the swinging hits of the cherry poppin daddies um and then there's a, a later compilation album uh, from from 2009 called Ska Boy JFK, the skanking hits of the Cherry Poppin' Daddies. Um, but uh, I didn't even know that. But even on the swinging hits of the Cherry Poppin' Daddies, they did not have at that time, 1997, when they um, they were getting ready for the, the swing wave to crest, there wasn't an album's worth of swing material that they had. And so I was, you know, for me, you know, I, I was in high school at the time. You know, once I saw the this was you know happening i already cashed in all my ska stock and, and was buying into uh 
uh, swing and and was very disappointed to basically learn that it was the same thing repackaged <laughs> because I thought this swing revival was going to really truly be the authentic ex- uh, expression of uh, of these guys self but it was it was just uh, uh, old ska wine in new swing bottles <laughs> you know it's interesting I, I feel like you know, this is where, like, I feel like the swing revival is just, like, bound to, like, fail, whereas, like, a ska revival could happen. I think, mean, first of all, the swing dancing, it's, like, it's a very hard-to-acquire skill. <laughs> like, it's not accessible. It's just, like, not. Like, it's not. It's, it's something you have to practice, right? It involves, like, coupled dancing. Like, these are all, like, very big Wait, barriers. are you telling me that these millennials are not going to be in for for intense <laughs> an, a, an activity that involves intense practice <laughs> in groups? I <laughs> said, just hear me out. <laughs> yeah, I, but what about Gen Z, Rachel? <laughs> I also think, weirdly, like, the thing about ska at the heart of it is it's still kind of like a music tied to, like, um, it's still a music that's like, a, like, a, like ultimately it's tied to like, like soul music being like filtered through Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And I think like those are touch points that like people are going to return to over and over again, more so than, I don't know, than I think like big band music for whatever reason. <laughs> I, I just, I just think those are like, I think to, to me that's sort of like, like, like people are going to return to like, like Jamaica is like a powerhouse of musical influence, and then soul music is are things that people just return to. So I mean, I think you know beyond the kind of bit deeper stylistic influences, I mean, what do you see is kind of going on like lyrically and thematically on this album, and and how does it connect either to those traditions or to what we were talking about theatricality or kind of anything else that you you see? Right? Are there specific songs that um, always grabbed you lyrically? You know, I think. I think it's interesting to me how much of, like, I guess, like, this album really does have a lot of, like, breakup songs. And, like, mm-hmm. it does talk about heartbreak a lot. But I, I do think it's, I guess, lyrically, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I think you, I, I think there's a kind of, I don't think it's, like, quite the same as, like, like I don't know, the kind of, like, uh, vulnerability of the Alanis Morissette, like, album lyrics or even, like, the kind of faux prophet thing that Alanis Morissette had going on. I think she's a little more, I mean, it's like a little more punky, right? She's like a little more snide. She's a little more like kind of like performatively defiant, you know, in the songs, right? Like I'm thinking like just a girl, right? It's just like talk about like performative defiance, right? It's like very sarcastic, you know, I'm just a girl. Don't let me out of your sight. So don't let me have any rights. You know, it's, it's all like very like snide sarcastic like defiant it's very dead kennedy's right um almost it's very yeah it is it's i think in like in attitude and but maybe not in like it i don't think it's quite like dead kennedy's and then it's i don't think it's like um snidely satirical enough necessarily like i think she doesn't really go for the real gross out punches the way dead kennedy's will like really say something like Dan Kennedy's like to do things to like offend your bourgeois sensibilities, right? <laughs> and like I don't. She, <laughs> right. Oh, oh, the fact that we and I would have the same tone in my voice when I said that about the Dead Kennedys. <laughs> but the fact that we would say it like that means that we're old and there's no hope for us anymore. <laughs> you know, like it means that our bourgeois sensibilities are offended. <laughs> right. Are, I I really like the Dead Kennedys, but I mean I can't. You know, they definitely like the. You know, the, it's like clear. It's like provocative kind of in sometimes a like silly way. Whereas like I think it's like, well, when Gwen Stefani has plenty of bourgeois sensibilities, she's upset that like you didn't let her like take her car out for the night. Right. Like but she's not like Hmm. she like I think would be like. You know, if Gwen Stefani went the dead Kennedy's route, she would talk about like pulling a bloody tampon out or something, or like there'd be something kind of like viscerally, like kind of like uh, you know, something like more like to create a visceral sense of shock. So, okay, is this a feminist record? 
Uh, you know, I don't know. I think it's a feminist record. Yeah, like I, I do think I think definitely just a girl has like a feminist sensibility yeah. and is like a feminist anthem. I think it's a feminist record that she like talks about like I don't know, like kind of being self assured and like come. You know, there there is a certain like defiance in the performance yeah. and in like the songs. Cause even though I don't think that lyrically the songs are defined, but like the performance of them is. So that to me is like a kind of feminist project. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, I don't know if it's like feminist in the, it's certainly not the kind of route of like, um, overtly political, right? right. Like it's not right. Girl, it's right? not right. Girl. Right. It's not right. Girl. But it's, it's not, not I mean, it's, it's third right. wave ska, but second wave feminism. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would to keep track. Of yeah, there, there are. <laughs> it's like a veritable ocean. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, I mean, the thing that I, the, that I would say like the, the beyond the singles, the number of times that, songs are kind of addressed to a you and the the point of the song is like the diagnosis of a problem or the kind of elucidation of a of a set of circumstances or a, or a situation like and i'm thinking of like now you're finally 16 and you're feeling old but they won't believe that you've got a soul because you're only 16 uh and you're feeling real but you can't seem to cop a feel oh no whoa 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 you know, uh, try to cross the line. Your little wings are intertwined. You're such a tease. There's nothing you can do that, that can really please. Like, it's not, is this sympathetic to the teenager? Is it, uh, mocking the teenager? Is it a, is it a more dispassionate sort of view of the, of the conflict of the, the situation? Like the, the way to me, like rather than being a social protest against specific wrongs, the way that this album comes by its um uh feminism or, or comes by its sort of artistic project i guess like is is in being like a a a social critic and maybe not maybe not in a way that that crosses over into advocacy but that de- in the way that alanis definitely does but the or seems to the, but the um but in the way of kind of like talking about you know, talking about social problems or talking about kind of emotional knots or talking about personal issues of, you know, adolescence and like it's uh, adolescence or uh, young adulthood or, you know, relationships or, um, you know, uh, or sexism or what, you know, what have you. Um, the, the, uh, the thing to remember is that they're from Orange County. Right. Like they're from suburban. They're from just like suburban America, suburban Los Angeles, like the, the other, you know, non, non, uh, uh, non diverse part of California. Right. Like they're from, they're from the OC. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not the Newport beach part, but like, you know, they're from the flats, but, and, and, uh, it's not, you know, it's not, uh, the band is not entirely white. Unpack that a little bit for, for us East coasters, (laughs) for for us Boston's. You remember how, uh, you remember how Ryan was from Chino? (laughs) <laughs> they're not they're not from uh they're not from chino but they're they're like um orange so orange county is like traditionally like a much more red uh uh like district uh, county of um of mm. california than los angeles is i mean los angeles is is like tiny little super dense oceans of blue and a giant sea of red the the central valley you know the deserts um up towards the up in the almost like backwoodsy parts of California, up towards the northern border, um, and it's it's just the enormous population density of San Francisco, Santa Barbara, Los Angeles that keep it, uh, you know, that keep it or San Francisco, uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles mainly, I guess um, that that uh, keep it this sort of stalwart liberal, uh, uh, you know, electoral force, but the the um, you know that that uh and that that orange county is sort of split um by some hills between the the sort of beach section and then there's uh some like low hills or like low 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 mountains um uh that run along the coast and on the other side are the are just the flats of orange county which is like when donald trump had a southern california rally that's where he went you know uh and so like this is um 
you know, like not being able to drive your car is like, it's not just a bougie problem. It's uh, the way it would be in, in Manhattan, say, right? Like the way it would be for like B- uh, Blair Waldorf, if she wanted to drive her car and couldn't, uh, you know, wasn't allowed to or something like that. I mean, of course, no, she has Chuck's limo to uh, ferry Yeah, she has around. so many, she has drivers on drivers, but <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll entertain this alternate universe Gossip Girl fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to not be if you're in in uh if you're in Anaheim and you're not allowed to drive your car you're really like your agency as is curtailed uh oh. right very 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 much because you're in a like a detached single family bungalow um uh, you know on a oh i don't know on a uh square 50 by 100 foot lot right like you may not really know your neighbors it may be like a, a housing development it may be a little cookie cutter like and you might want to uh you might want to to get out and and um and you can't like it's i don't know it's it, it's it's sort of important for like i feel like understanding the social context of uh understanding the social context of these songs and that it's like it's Los Angeles but it's not Los Angeles you know what i mean um it's not uh the sunset strip it's not you know el segundo it's not compton long beach you know it's not uh uh venice with the doors right like it it's it's its own it's its own milieu and that's i i, I feel like that that's sort of important to understand it no, I think that's a good point. And I didn't mean to denigrate the not having like a car. I guess I would say I, I think I was more thinking like like the car was not loaned to her or she was not able to take it out temporarily. But definitely I like I do take that like not being able to drive a car is a alien is like a a agency depriving experience, you know, hashtag, you know, like Saudi women can't drive right legally. Like, I mean, these are things like, it's like a real thing. Um, but you know, I think in this, I, you know, I, and I didn't mean to sort of like, I think it's a very good point you make. And I, it was I hard, be, Rachel, I, Rachel, it was hard I when I couldn't, <laughs> when I couldn't drive the car, it was hard. It was so hard. I had to sit at home and watch MTV jams. <laughs> <laughs> it was just you and the grind. It was just the loneliest grind. <laughs> I, I mean, I, the loneliest grind is not a bad description of adolescence in in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I mean, I, this is interesting. Just what you're talking about, some of the kind of um, demographics and the socioeconomics of um, Orange County makes me think a little bit about the. Um, the the title track tragic kingdom right uh, and it being a play on magic kingdom right and kind of yeah. thinking about um these and, and right it's even there on the um the album cover um right that uh, it says among other things right bought and sold out in usa <laughs> and kind of uh anaheim california is there alongside the the rotting oranges right and um and in the lyrics uh, what is it? Once it was a magical place. Over time, it was lost. Price increased the cost. Now the fortune of the kingdom is locked up uh, in its dungeon vaults. Um, and and the sense of rot, right? I mean, and we were talking about this earlier about this kind of Lynchian sense of rot. But I think that there is a sense of not only is there the it, it being the kind of rotten core of a of a small town, but it's a. I mean, that I, I sense is being about these kind of suburbs and being not you know kind of in LA but not LA and and it kind of connects weirdly like that way of I mean in some ways I wonder if this is like you know as much as there is like a kind of you know there's a breakup uh album here it's a, you know because like on the one hand this is a breakup album about uh, a person who you're still in a band with or two people that are still in a band together uh and so it's a, it becomes a renegotiation of a relationship and in some ways that there's also a like kind of breaking up with a kind of an, an idea of la but also a sense of like well we're still beside la right and we're still like you know and there's gonna be a notion of what uh you know anaheim is and what orange county is uh and we're kind of breaking up with that but having this understanding um because that kind of sense of of living with 
um, you know, is also there in um, in, in Sunday Morning, um, right? Then there's like a lot of these lyrics about um, about like switching shoes. What, uh, what is it? Um, there, uh, how is it? I mean, uh, where is where's the shoe lyric? Um, it is. Uh, I'll, I'll just read more of them until I find it. Uh, Sappy, pathetic little me. That was the girl I used to be. You had me on my knees. Um, I trade you places any day. Uh, I never thought you'd be that way, but you look like me on Sunday, right? And later on, uh, in verse two, she says, "You're trying my shoes on for a change. They look so good, but fit so strange, out of fashion, so I can complain." Right. And then on the bridge, she says, you know, um, I know who I am, but who are you? You're not looking like you used to. You're on the other side of the mirror. Uh, so nothing's looking quite as clear. Thank you for turning on the light. Thank you. Now you're the parasite. Um, and so I, th- I feel like um, I mean, all of these like senses of rot, uh, of decay and of like kind of flipping of perspective, I think, connect um, <clears throat> both the you know, what what's going on with the sense of place, but also the sense of kind of interpersonal positioning and, and placing um, that is, I think, part of what's being acted out and performed here. Um, I don't know. Any other parting, parting shots from from the Tragic Kingdom? You know, it's interesting because I'm, like, thinking about the Tragic Kingdom and, like, kind of how Disneyland actually does sit in Anaheim. Like, how it's, like, actually physically sighted in Anaheim. It's like in a parking lot. It's, like, it's mm-hmm. kind of, like, the least amount of world building that's like that could possibly be done it's like you could really drive through like a you know drive through an in and out and then like go to <laughs> Met, go to disneyland like pretty easily i have done but, exactly um, that <laughs> <laughs> and i i do think that it's like it's interesting and so you're coming from a very florida-centric perspective right, i'm coming from a florida-centric perspective about disney world um you know in florida like or the orlando park you know because it was built on like uh empty swamp land that was like drained and like created out a whole cloth into the image of Disney world. It's a world, not a land. It's right. right. It's not a land. It's a world. And it's cited that way. Right. There's like major entry, like major entryways um, into the park. Right. It's like Jurassic park. Like, is that kind of like (laughs) long gradual, like, you know, entry into the park. Um, And it's massive. It's like a massive, massive sighting, you know, and there's a lot done to like really try to, make you forget that you are in Orlando, right? Or that you are, like, in Florida in general. Like, it's it's definitely, like, created to obscure that. And I I think there is something kind of interesting about both, like, on the one hand, there's something, like, I could see kind of, like, the the flip of, like, I think the physical sighting of Disneyland and, like, kind of, like, it's tying to, like, the song – I think there is this sense of it sort of being just sort of like, I don't know, like it, it could feel like a sort of little marginalized or or maybe like just just part of like the suburban blight. Right. Mm-hmm. And part of the kind of like that Lynchian, uh, you know, view of like sub- the, the suburban landscape. Right. But I also do think like in the song, there's this moment where I think like the people come into the castle. Right. Like they're able to take it over. And I do think that is something sort of like. I feel like the kind of physical sighting of Disneyland and like the kind of meta, like what's going on in the song, like metaphorically, like there is, there's some sort of kind of like hope for like these things can be like reclaimed somehow by the citizens of Anna. Like Disneyland is Anaheim's, right? It's, it's like a park of the people more so than Disney world is right. Which is this like real intense entry point. Mm. There's something accessible about a place that you can like drive through in and out on your way there. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's a little more open. It's a little more democratic. I dare it's say. all, it's all in and out. <laughs> it's in and out through the open society (laughs) (laughs) and and, you know i just think there's something like i don't know maybe there's like maybe there's like some sort of like touch of hope like kind of within that tragic kingdom ender um like it kind of just tying the idea of like disneyland the the idea right parting shot yeah i'm just glad that i can uh continue to expand the uh map of the notional space of los angeles that that (laughs) 
we began <laughs> on the Karate Kid episode of the podcast like almost almost ten years ago, and uh, just continues no matter no matter what we do. I think we should begin selling tickets to like one of those like open top tour bus things that I give to uh, overthinking it and TFT super fans, and I can talk about like you know things that happened to me as a teenager and like you know my the 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 coffee shops that used to be there and the the the, the <laughs> you know the things that are now like a lululemon and a uh uh spin studio and a uh you know poke shop yeah, um, the, lo- the loneliest grind a memoir <laughs> <laughs> i think we should make a real map like just like the notional map of los angeles and it's just like a bunch of landmarks of like <laughs> it's like tragic kingdom yeah it's like it's like the dirty projectors black flag album it's like so you are like creating um uh, a map of la a notional map of la entirely from memory right? <laughs> uh and, and and that's what we've done here uh with with the tragic kingdom um and so uh it is time for the gates of the tragic kingdom to swing closed uh but the um but the 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 party continues within uh and it is a a up-tempo peppy ska and new wave party so whether you are skanking or just uh, Lindy hopping because uh, you already had your suit on uh, and, and that those are the dance moves that you know. Uh, keep on dancing with us. Keep on dancing on Twitter at TFT Podcast, on Facebook uh, Theory for Turntables, or on the show notes at overthinkingit.com. Uh, share your personal reminiscences of uh, of this era point in the mid-90s uh, of ska, of, of swing, uh, or of uh, all the other sub-genres sub that popped up around the time. Um, if you miss Ska the first time around, if you miss No Doubt the first time around, share your impressions uh, of giving this album a listen, um, and stay tuned as we make our way through the mid-90s, and as that clock, uh, that dial rolls over into the late 90s, because there are so many treats ahead <laughs> uh, as these mid-90s become the late 90s, uh, and we will be here with all of them, and wherever we land, whether we are skanking or Lindy Hop, hopping, just know that we will keep it real.